0: You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on BingeMedia.net. And now, the binge aftertaste.
1: the final uh we'll talk about that later edition of the binge movie aftertaste i am here with my cohort my partner in crime mr matthew goudreau matt how are you doing sir
0: merry christmas buddy merry freaking christmas
1: merry christmas happy holidays lord knows these holidays have been crazy in uh, my neck of the woods i, I tell you this podcast this is a podcast about movies and i feel so bad that i i you know, we're we're gonna do a year end list, but I have hardly any movies I could even classify as um, as great. I have maybe one which I could call great, and I would put on that list. Eh, maybe two. Now that I'm looking at it, but my holiday season it was okay. I um, I celebrated it actually two weeks ago. Um, had a mini holiday with my sister a couple days ago or yesterday for Christmas. Other than that, there were. Buddy, I have had a, like a non-existent holiday season. Everything's been move, move, grab totes. Okay, now load up your car, load up the storage. Okay, now get the new place. So that's that's where I stand. How was uh, how was your holiday? How was your uh, son's first
0: holiday season? That's a good that's a good question actually because I was a little worried I wasn't going to be able to do anything because I was sick as a dog yeah. on Christmas Eve. And kind of played it by ear. We kept it safe and small. weren't sure how he was going to do with a big family crowd. I mean, it's bad enough he has to see me on a daily basis, yeah. but it, it was it was good. You know, it's been twenty twenty one has been a year of big changes for us. You know, you and I both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of glad that the year is ending on a good note because I know there was a lot of certainly a lot of upheaval. At least in my life, and I imagine, you know, with everything that's happened with you, you know, it's not over yet. But I think we both are in the process of adjusting as best we can.
1: Big, big adjustment process. You're absolutely right. I am um, with somebody who I could classify as somebody I could see a major future with. Me and her on a drunken binge just just randomly FaceTimed you out of nowhere a couple months ago. Um like she's she's a pretty amazing person, and um, you know it, it, it has been a thing of changes. Um, our third counterpart on our normal podcast, Mister Adam Bunch, he's going through a whole bunch of shit right now. Um, this is a definitely a year of change for both for all three of us, and uh, more changes to come. But well, before we get to those, let, let, let's talk a little bit about what this site's about, which is movies. Um, like I said, my year-end list, I got to say, sir, is pretty much non-existent. You have a list of 10, you said. Um, I am going to have you say your 10, and I'm just going to kind of comment on whether I've seen them or not. And um, we can just kind of go from there. So why don't you just – first of all, why don't you tell me what do you think overall 2021 was as far as movies go? Like how good of a year do you think this was?
0: Based on what I've seen and looking at the – The awards favorites, there's still quite a bit I have not seen. But looking at my 10 that I came up with, this is a much more varied list than I both thought I'd have. And looking at last year's, which maybe, I think we both had five apiece. Yeah. uh, Because 2020 was definitely a tougher year as far as new releases go. But I definitely got variety. There's a couple things on this list that I've seen twice. Which is sort of rare for me nowadays, with the amount of content we watch. You know, personal life, being a dad, it's not like I can get out to the theater every single time like I want to. Um, but I think I've got almost all the major genres covered. I got very tiny, a tiny movie you've probably never even heard of, and I've got some of the one of the bigger money makers of the year. So all in all, I think I got as much variety as you would expect. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a couple on here that genuinely surprise you.
1: I can't wait to hear them because, you know, given what we've done on this show this year, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can guarantee—I pretty much guarantee I don't think anything that we've covered is, is on this list. So I'm very interested to hear uh, what you have on there. And if Fast Nine's on there, I'm going to throw you off this show right now.
0: What did you say? Fast 9? Yes. Hang on. i got to edit this list. No. <laughs> you fucking asshole. It, it is it, on there, isn't it? No, it's honestly not. Because if you remember, I gave that a six. Yeah, you did. Um, if that was on my list, go to show how shitty of a year I thought this was. I know, I know even on the Fast and Furious scale, a 6 for that franchise might be like an 8 for a normal movie. <laughs> That's true.
1: That's true. Go back and listen to those shows. That was a pretty entertaining set of shows. All right, then what's your number 10? Let's just get that going right off the bat.
0: So I did not really put mine in discernible order, so I'm doing mine alphabetically. Okay. Um. So my first one is a little well I shouldn't say little because it's a it's a Netflix uh, production it's a movie called the Harder do they Fall have you heard of this
1: yes yes a few of my friends are making a lot of noise about it
0: they have good reason largely because it's one of the most thoroughly entertaining movies of the year because it's not this is not a movie designed to win awards this is a, a crowd pleaser you know it's a western which I always enjoy I'm glad Hollywood is sort of Reawoken, making the western on a consistent basis, and especially this is kind of new ground as a, as an all black cast. Oh wow. Um, stars, you know, the biggest names are like, you know, Regina, Regina Hall and Idris Elba, who plays the villain, who's had a very good year, actually. Idris Elba has, uh, and he's soon to win an Oscar next year for his turn as, uh, Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog 2, for the record. <laughs>
1: I wish somebody would give that guy a role to chew on. Are you saying this one is actually pretty good, the, this role yeah, that he has?
0: He, you know, he's the imposing villain. He gets to have fun. He's actually had a good year between this and the Suicide Squad as far as getting big blockbuster roles that actually use his talents.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we've talked about that on the, on the Fast and Furious shows, where it's like whenever he's in these big blockbusters, like the Thor movies, he's always in the background. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you cast him? Um, but here he's, he's used the full effects. You know, you got Jonathan Majors in here who's sort of – Coming on the up and up, soon to be in the Marvel movies. I'm glad movies like this get made because it's just you know people having fun. And if you want your you want your excess bloodshed and a Western aesthetic, you definitely get that here. The action scenes are pretty good. If you're squeamish, I don't think there's anything in here that would make you turn away too much. So I think it plays it just right. I would put this on par with something like uh, Anton Fuqua's Magnificent Seven remake, which I liked a lot. Ah,
1: something I still haven't seen. Believe it or not,
0: I think you dig it. Um, it's sort of, it's sort they're sort of like the, the the Western equivalent of the Ocean's movies. Okay, where it's just, you're watching actors have fun, and you sort of have to realize that the stakes aren't aren't really there because the movie is just here to celebrate excess, and it's. It's very well shot. This director is... Oh, God, what's their name? I'm blanking on it. Oh, James Samuel, who is actually uh, a musician by trade before he's a director. Um, He's from the Bullets. So I I don't know his music a lot. But this this definitely surprised me because Netflix's releases are very hit and miss.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like they've really hit their stride over the last few years, like when The Irishman... I think that was their big, like, hey, bitches, we're here. Uh, I mean, you got they got Scorsese, for God's sake, so who knows who else they're going to get. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish I had the chance to see this in a theater. But all in all, I just I had a really good time with it. And it's on Netflix, so you. if you're listening to this, you can check it out. Um, it's available to you pretty much all the time. Yeah,
1: you talk about Netflix movies. Like, the last two Netflix movies I saw... Like the ones that just went straight to Netflix, Army of the Dead and The Woman in the Window, which are, too, oh, yeah, those are not too good movies to say the least. So I kind of, you know, I still have a subscription to Netflix. I will, we, we will always have a subscription to Netflix. But I, I just look. I'm like, man, if something gets released straight to Netflix, I'm not too excited about it. So you're saying this one's definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah, they're they're really changing the game. But this year in particular, Netflix's releases have run the gamut. I just watched uh, Don't Look Up. On oh,
1: Netflix. that's... Yeah, I've been hearing a lot holy about that, shit. too.
0: That Holy shit, was that terrible. Is it? It's almost unwatchable,
1: if you ask really? me. Really? I'm hearing it's great. A couple people have told me it's really
0: good. I want to know how far up his own ass Adam McKay has gotten. I, I, I'm, I'm so tired of him trying to be a quote-unquote serious filmmaker. Yeah, because yeah. Because I don't think he... He can't get that overtly cynical voice out of his head. Uh-huh. Um, he can get great performances out of his actors. You know, if you've seen Vice, you know what he, what he's capable of. And, and the cast for this movie is insane. It's like DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep. I mean, it's the biggest... Kate Blanchett, the biggest assortment he's ever gotten. But it's so... He, he he wants to make satire, but it's so it's so smog with how he how he tells you, and it's it's low hanging fruit. So mm. I'm definitely in the minority on people who liked it. I know it's gotten pretty mixed reviews, so it's kind of you know you, you gotta see it for yourself. But if I had seen it in a theater, I would have struggled to sit through it.
1: You know, you, you mentioned Edris Alba, and um, we're gonna be covering um. At least a couple of his movies in the next year or so, but one that has come up that <laughs> I actually watched this year for the first time, um, and is something we're definitely going to be covering is the Dark Tower. And um, man, I'm saving my full thoughts for that review, but goddamn, has he been done wrong in Hollywood? It's it's unbelievable the presence this guy has. And, and it's so
0: funny because when I heard he was cast as. As the gunslinger, I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, him and McConaughey both. Um, but, but, yeah, like I said, so- Sonic 2 is going to win an Oscar for that. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. All right, so that's your number 10. I'm wondering if the one I would include on mine is on yours. So why don't you continue with your number 9, sir?
0: So my next one is... Uh, have you heard of this? This is going to be the one that only two people on the face of the planet have seen, and I doubt anyone in Binge Lands has even heard of this. It's a little movie called Mass?
1: Never heard of this one.
0: Alright, well, there's probably a good reason because it didn't get a major release. Um, I saw this from a friend who had a screener for it at Sundance. Um, this one's really hard to explain, so I'll just give you the. The gist of it is I like watching movies that are that have a stage theatrical quality to them. And this certainly has that because it's two families or two sets of parents in a room talking to each other for almost two hours. But it's after a school shooting and one group of parents are the the parents of the perpetrator and two parents are people who lost their child in the shooting. Huh. Wow, that sounds like yeah. it goes pretty deep. Yeah, it requires a lot. You know, you, you have to know what you're getting into. And there's only four people. Um, probably the most well-known are Ann Dowd and uh, Jason Isaacs. They're probably the two most well-known out of anybody. I compare it to, if you saw Roman Polanski's movie Carnage with Joey Foster. and Christoph oh, uh, Waltz. It's yeah. very much like that, where I could see this working on the stage. And the movie does a good job of feeling theatrical, but this is one of those actors' movies that I always uh, tend to support, especially for actors who don't always get major roles. Um, I I think, you know, one of the things that aids this movie is how timely it is, you know, as shitty as as it is to say, given the society we're in. Uh Uh-huh. Um, this is one of those things where it's like, if you give a collective ensemble Oscar, I think this would win. It's all the more impressive because they filmed the movie in 14 days, which is not, that's not an easy thing to do for any production, because um, you've got to get it all right. You know, I imagine there was a lot of rehearsals um, and all that, so it, it's different. You know, this is not for everybody, but this kind of this kind of spoke to me in a way I wasn't expecting because I, I saw it without knowing anything, so mm-hmm. I would just text Hey, you want to watch this? I think you'll really dig it. Wow. Anybody big in
1: it or is just a...
0: Yeah, Jason Isaac is probably the biggest name. Okay. Because of Harry Potter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think I remember you mentioning that in our text one night, actually. when Because uh, me, you, and Adam have a text that we just talk on pretty much all the fucking time. Um, And I think you might have mentioned that once or twice this year.
0: It's our hey. I have nothing happening. Who do I want to piss off?
1: Yeah, pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> All right. Wow.
0: All right. What's your uh, number eight, sir? Number eight is. So now I'm getting into a. a this is a movie that definitely more people have have seen. It actually, just came out is uh, Nightmare Alley. Oh yes. Okay.
1: All right. Now we're talking.
0: So, I'm a big Del Toro fan, as almost everybody on Binge is, because, A, I can listen to the guy talk forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he knows his stuff, and he do, he doesn't make movies for the money, which I always appreciate, considering this is a guy who got, on his first movie, he got fucked over hard, if you ever mm-hmm. listen about Mimic. Um, I'm surprised that didn't kill his interest in making movies, period. But this is a big step forward for him. Largely because after he won, you know, Shape of Water, he won Best Pictures, so you're like, how do you, how do you top that? He chose to do a remake of a not especially well known movie, uh, the original Nightmare Alley from 1940, it's like 46, 47. Um, it's also the first movie he's made where there's no supernatural element whatsoever, but the movie teases you enough to think that it's possible. Hmm. I've seen the movie it's based on and I've read the book. The the big difference, it's a largely faithful adaptation is that the ending in this one does not have the Hollywood uh like comic code ending where you can't back then you couldn't leave people on such a down miserable ending if your main character wasn't your your main character could be flawed but you couldn't Put them in such a terrible spot to where audiences couldn't leave him by himself. Um, so this one keeps the the dark ending intact. It's got no cinematography flourishes. You can tell it's his movie, which I always like. Um, it's a noir, but it's not the. You know, when people think of noir, they think of detectives. You know, they think of mm-hmm. you know a, a love triangle gone wrong. And, and those kinds of things. But really, a, a noir can... It's more about an ambiance and a mood than it is actual plotting. Uh, there is a, a love triangle component, so to speak. There's there's, fem, there's a femme fatale played by Kate Blanchett who just devours scenery in the best way. Um, but the surprise of the movie was Bradley Cooper for me. I, I've, I've said Bradley Cooper is an actor I've always liked, but it... it for the longest time, I always saw him as that dipshit from The Hangover. Yeah, and I thought that's all he was ever going to be. But lately, he's really won me over. Between this and A Star Is Born, and he's got a lot more range than I thought he did. And he's so good at playing a scumbag in this. But all-star cast for for Del Toro. It's Bradley Cooper, uh, Kate Blanchett, Willem Dafoe, Tony Collette. Uh, David Strathairn, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, the cast in
1: this is fucking unbelievable. And you know what? I've been, I've been wanting to see this. I it's been on my docket for like since I saw the trailer months ago. And uh, you're right about Del Toro. Like this is a guy who he has been on and off so many projects, and the only reason he hasn't made. Um, Mountains of Madness yet the H.P. Lovecraft project he's been wanting to do for decades is because he can't do it in his own way he could have had it done years ago but he if he's not given full reign and able to do it his way he won't do it Uh, I have a lot of respect for the guy I really do for the exact reasons you mentioned as well because it is a different thing for him it's a different aesthetic than I'm used to with him Um, maybe it's the same aesthetic but it's, it's not a horror film Uh, but it's something that I really want to see, and I'm glad to hear that it's good. Uh, Bradley Cooper, you take out Stars Born, and I completely agree with you. I think he was trying too hard in that movie. I think he was trying too hard in American Sniper. Uh, Those are two movies I don't like, Uh, but this one, you know, him and Del Toro seems like they make a good team, and and it saddens me that the thing hasn't done that well in theaters because this is something that I wish people would, See, so that Del Toro could do more of what he wants to do, aka Mountains of Madness.
0: Well, I kind of wish. I think the placement of this movie was awful, yeah. as far as the the window. This should have been a fall release, not right before Christmas, Absolutely. especially with the location, And this seems like something that Disney released out of spite once they acquired Fox's sleigh.
1: Yeah, that, um, that 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 I, I definitely see that, and uh, you know, it's it's just something that was kind of shit out, and and that's too bad. It's really too bad. Especially, I mean, look at the cast that's in this fucking thing. There's a video out there of, um, I think they were honoring, I think they were giving him the walk of fame, and I think J.J. Abrams went up and said a speech for him, and it was just so amazing to see Del Toro's uh, ending speech in that star, getting that star, that it it brings tears to your eyes. Um, He's somebody you definitely root for. And for Disney to do what they did with this project, fuck that. But yeah, that's
0: I can't really tell you what it's about.
1: No, I, and I don't want you to. I don't want you to. Yeah, I, I don't want you to. I, I want to I, I wanna go in as cold as possible. Um, kind of like another movie that was released late this year. I want to go in as cold as possible. I don't know if that's on your list or not, so I'm not going to say anything. But um, All right, what's your uh, number – what are we on, seven now? Uh, let's see –
0: yeah, this is number seven. So we All go right. from Nightmare, Nightmare Alley to The Night House. Oh, shit.
1: Goddamn, another one I haven't seen.
0: I know this one's kind of cheating because it's technically 2020, but it didn't get a wide release until this year, so I have it on here. Um, This is probably my favorite horror movie of the year. And there's been some good ones. you know. I was one of the few people who really dug Malignant. I know that got really... Tore people up, but I love that James Wan said, fuck it. I'm just going to make – it's like he went unhinged for that movie.
1: Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on it, but go ahead and I'll, I'll continue with my thoughts as soon as you finish your review of this.
0: Um, I'm, this is also the role I've been waiting Rebecca Hall to have because for being as great an actress as she is, she's always thrown to the side like in The Prestige or Iron Man 3 – the town, pretty much every big movie she's in. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong this year, which did not make my list, but I had a really good time with it because I got what I wanted. I got really awesome monster fights. Yeah, that was a fun time. Um, So, again, this one is also a movie. I can't really say too much, but it's basically... so Rebecca Hall plays someone whose husband commits suicide. And... She gets an, um, she reads the suicide note. It says, like, you're right. Nothing's after you. You're safe now. And she starts to, um, she finds like a reverse floor plan for the house. And she sees a picture of going through his phone. She sees a picture of someone who looks like her. And she thinks that her husband was cheating on her. Um, and she was talking about like, you know, What what do I do with myself now? It's a great exploration of what grief does to people in the horror setting. So it it plays the way all great horror movies should, where it touches on something that we feel as humans, you know, a a tangible emotion. Um, It's a little over-reliant. There's some jump scares here and there, but I think that's kind of par for the course with the genre as it is. Um, And I'm really excited because this is the director who's going to be doing the Hellraiser remake.
1: (laughs) How many times have we heard those words? There's not going to be a Hellraiser remake.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, this one's already like this one. I firmly believe because it's got a release date as a Hulu original movie. Um, uh, it's already been cast. We have a pinhead. I'll believe cast. it
1: when I see it. I, I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon until I actually see it happen.
0: <laughs> as if, much you as know I how I think this movie's going to get made? Gord Visnick is in it.
1: That spells box office Dollars for you huh yes, the, does. the guy from Electra is in This and he 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 will set The box office on fire The fuck yeah. is wrong No, he's me?
0: not. But we know he's desperate for work and wouldn't take <laughs>
1: Alright so the, this This is the guy who's going to be doing that huh I mean For a while, it was the guys who were doing Inside. Like, they were a part of it. And I I know it's gone through a couple other hands. I know Clive Barker, he'll see a script and he'll say, nope, nope, nope. And um, now it's actually going in front of cameras. Well, I'd be curious to see that for sure. And who knows? Maybe we'll cover it. TBD. Yeah, TBD, exactly. All right, so there's your number seven. Uh, let's go to, even though there's no discerning order here, let's go to number six, sir. Oh, wait, before you get to that, let me just tell you. So you mentioned Malignant. Um, If there was one movie this year I would put on a best-of list for me, it would be Malignant. Malignant is a fucking joy. I love that movie to pieces for the exact reasons you mentioned, Matt. Like James Wan, here's a guy who has made – Billions of dollars for studios could do any movie he wants. And he decided to do this crazy jollo nutcase of a fucking movie that, you know, you're watching it. And I, I remember watching the first like uh, 20 minutes of it. And I'm like, OK, what the fuck is going on here? I don't even know if I like this. Like there's some domestic abuse going on for no reason. Like, what am I watching? And then the final third of this movie, maybe the final quarter, is so unbelievably fucking nuts that it takes balls for a guy who has as much clout as James Wan does to do a movie like that. Like, he's just like, look, I have made you guys money. I want to do this. And the fact that he did that, I have so much respect for him. I, I love that movie to pieces. And what, what was crazy about it is later on in the year, you have Edgar Wright doing Last Night in Soho, which was, for me, a downer. I, I did not like that movie. Um, it had parts I enjoyed, but for the most part, you know, it, it had a lot of the creative Edgar Wright camera work that I'm used to, that I enjoyed. Uh, but I, it almost feels like he mailed that one in. Um, and I said this on the Horror Returns podcast. I believe I reviewed it on that show. Uh, I, I I just did not like that at all. But Malignant, who would have thought that James Wan would have made a better Jalo film than Edgar Wright? But <laughs> here we stand.
0: <laughs> well, I, I would say last night in Soho was one of those movies that I like. My least favorite parts are the horror components. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love the period detail. I love the the performances. Obviously, the costuming. Um, but it, it really loses me. Because there's a twist in that movie or a reveal that is so painfully obvious that if you're if you're paying attention, you'll see it coming, and it kind of ruins the third act. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I will say, *Malignant* is if if Brian De Palma and Dario Argento had a love child, it would be that movie. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it takes the best parts of both of those directors and kind of you know it embraces the absurdity. Um, and it's just uh, you'll ne- you'll. It's been a long time since I've seen a horror movie that audacious put mm-hmm. out. Her brothers of all of all studios. Absolutely. Yeah, but there the,
1: yeah. That's my thoughts on malignant. Just a crazy, crazy film. All right, sir. Uh, was that your number six or seven? What, what was that? That was that six. was seven. Seven. Okay, let's go for, for number six. Where are you at now, so, sir?
0: Six is nice and easy because this is a movie we've talked about already. Uh, okay. No time.
1: To die. Okay. All right. I, I was wondering if it was. The, I was wondering how high this was going to be.
0: It, it, well, no discernible order yeah. for me. Although I will say which movie is my number one. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it four times, as you would expect, because we had to wait two years for this fucking movie. Uh huh. Um, still holds up every time. I do still have my issues with the villain's motivations being muddled. But as I said in the review. It's, it was so gratifying to see a Bond actor get such a great send off, which no one has ever really gotten up to Craig at this point. And Craig also has, he's the only actor to have a great start point and a great end point. Um, so I'm not, I'm not gonna believe that, believe this one too much. You can check out a review. It's over two hours long. Yeah. So we get into all the details there, but. It was well worth the wait, and I was worried with all the pushbacks and the, the director changes and the script writing changes. This could have been this could have been a clusterfuck, and thankfully it wasn't.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty decent movie. I've um, I haven't seen it since our review. Uh, I ended up giving it pretty high marks, but now that I think about it, I think I might scale that back just a tad. Um, but the highs in that movie are definitely some of. Daniel Craig's best highs that he's had in this, in this, as the role because if you go back to our entire retrospective of that series I mean I was not a fan of a lot of what he did with it despite the fact that there was a lot of good writing associated with what he was doing uh, so yeah that, I, I'll agree with you pretty good send off pretty good send off all right halfway done
0: where are you at number five so this would this one would be my number one of the year if you held it what a movie called pig
1: oh shit another one i've heard so much about and i haven't seen yet
0: uh this is my, this might be my favorite like small release since the witch as far as movies that just shocked me okay um obviously when i tell you the premise you're gonna laugh it's about nicholas cage trying to rescue his kidnapped truffle pig all right sounds like that sounds like a movie nicholas cage would have made to fix his tax issues <laughs> who knows he made so many of those movies he might very well have remade this and I also by saying that I make it sound like John Wick because there's the you know the animal that he has ties to that gets kidnapped and um, so why, why is this my number one A this is the best performance Nicolas Cage has given in 20 years uh, if, if this movie had more marketing behind it he would be sweeping every awards category possible but unfortunately, we're going to have to watch Will Smith win an Oscar for his IOU. Oh, he better not win that fucking Oscar. He better not. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Ugh, okay. Fuck. Um, you know, this came out at a time where we were still in the midst of the pandemic, and so many people were struggling to find value in their life. You know, we had people losing their jobs, leaving their cities. Nicolas Cage gives a performance that's all about holding on to something that has meaning in your life. There's there's no there's no cage rage in this movie. There's no showy violence. Um, It's about him teaming up with. um, Speaking of a twenty four, Alex Wolf is in this as the sidekick, but he drives him to Portland to try to look for his pig. Um, I, I can't. There's a scene that. I might have my favorite scene of the year too. There's a there's a scene in a restaurant with Nick Cage, uh, the character's name is Rob, um, where I'm like, okay, this is why, this is such a, such a poignant movie. Um, for for a stupid premise, like it, it's uh, you would think this is a half baked movie, but it's only it's only ninety minutes, but there's more narrative cohesion in this movie than I found in like anything like anything JJ Abrams has ever made mm. um, and I really wish this got a stronger marketing push because like it, it kind of came and went um you know outside in the cage not a very well-known cast um you know very small movie it was only I think the budget was like maybe a million dollars. Um, it's not a twenty-four, but it feels like it should have been put out by them, because mm. um, it's you know the kind of movies that are that they make where they they tend to be very cerebral. Um, it's, it's the production company that put out the Tanya Harding movie with Margot Robbie. Great film. Yeah, so, so Pig would be my number one. Uh, if you want to want to hear a really in-depth review, watch Red Letter Media's. They did a review of Pig um that kind of touches on why i love it so much
1: all right wow yeah i I've, I've been hearing a lot about it um i've been hearing despite the presence of cage it's actually a very well done movie uh, but i i enjoyed mandy with him in it so
0: yeah mandy's really good but it is it is crazy Nick Cage as yeah, well yeah it's nuts
1: yeah it's 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 him going nuts and i thought for sure there'd be at least a scene or two of that in this but apparently there was oh, not God.
0: Like, there's nothing, because even his his quieter roles, um, even the ones that he's done recently, like in Joe or some of those movies, he has at least one scene where he kind of goes nuts. And then you get movies like Bad Lieutenant, where he's just off the rails, but it's so glorious. Um, This is the calmest Nick Cage we have seen in a very long time. All right. um. So for the record, everybody, I'm kind of going quick through these, but there is one on this list that I have a lot to say about. Um, Okay. Because it's a a movie that we haven't talked about, and uh, it's not The Matrix, um, because we have plans for that down the road. Um, Let me just say for the record, I'm glad that we live in a world where there's a new Matrix movie.
1: Oh, me too. Me too. I'm with you on that, sir.
0: I'm glad that it's got people talking.
1: I'm glad it's got people talking. I'm glad that it's not a remake, and we're actually getting some of the original cast together. Uh, Yeah, the fact that there's another one—it does. The the fact that my social media has been lit up with it uh, is—it's kind of a warm thought, actually. And I'm really sad that I haven't seen it yet. All right, let's go to uh, your fourth on your list, sir. What what do you got for number four?
0: I'm going from one animal to another. Uh oh. Uh, Power of the dog
1: another one I haven't heard of.
0: So this, this is, if there was a God, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch would be winning the Oscar over Will Smith. Um, I, I have been hard on Cumberbatch as an actor. Um, but this is so against type for him that it works brilliantly because on paper, this role should not be for him. Uh, this bigoted racist, um, rancher. This is set in 1920s, Montana. Uh, and this movie is so good that you believe him and Jesse Plemons are brothers.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> wow, those two?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so it basically it's all about, you know, they they meet this, uh, there's a widower that they meet played by Kirsten Dunst who is married to Jesse Plemons in real life. Um, and she goes with, she marries the Jesse Plemons character and this eats at Cumberbatch's character terribly. And like he becomes like the, he's this alcoholic borderline. This is one of those movies I can't tell. You. It reminds me of Manchester by the Sea, not in how depressing it is because this movie's not not downtrodden like that. But there's that mystery in Manchester by the Sea about Casey Affleck's character where it's like, why are you such an asshole? Um, you've seen that movie, right?
1: Yeah, when it first came out.
0: Um, you're like, why are you such an asshole? And then they show you what happened, and you're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there's a there's a scene in that for this, and it's, it's nowhere near as distressing as him accidentally burning his kids alive. Um, that might be the most depressing thing I've seen in a movie, and I don't know how fucking uh-huh. long. Um, but this one touches on, the reveal touches on something that, that Westerns have notoriously done, and it's the idea of what a man should be. Um, it plays in the old, you know, John Ford method of these guys who are not not the most altruistic people, but they're, you know, it's like men are men. You know, they, they're they not supposed to be in touch with their feelings. Um, and there is sort of a, there's a repressive component to the Cumberbatch character that makes a whole lot of sense when you find out why he's such a dick. Mm. Uh, Maybe it has something to do with Dick. I, I I'm, not, I'm not spoiling the movie. I'm just telling you uh, something that's possible. Um, and other you know small roles like Thomas and McKenzie's in this, who's just been a oh, lot. Love her. Love her. Um, you know, it's well shot. Um, it's a Netflix release, so this is another one you can watch at home. Um, yeah, this is. An, Another one. This one of the hard ones. Not to spoil because that major reveal just makes it makes it worth it. Power of the Dog. You said. Yep. Wow. What a silly title, but. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it's not. You could have called it something else. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's a. I, I wonder if it's based. Oh, it's based on a book. That's why they kept the title.
1: I, I tell you though, you put Anya Taylor Joy or Thomas and McKenzie in your movie, and I'm there. So. You may
0: have- you may not like it in the case of Last Day in Yeah, couple.
1: exactly, but I'll definitely go. Uh, so you you sold me on that. I'll, I'll definitely be there for that. Uh, power of the Dog. All right, you're number three, sir.
0: Uh, Spencer.
1: Oh, shit. Okay, another one I've heard some pretty good things about I haven't gotten around to yet.
0: Oh, I'm not a Pedro Delar fan. Yeah. Typically. So I was very skeptical when I heard this movie was coming out. And of course, there was all the backlash because it's Kristen Stewart, and people don't realize she's done other work besides Twilight, and great work, I must say. Very good which, work. Uh, Pablo Larraín, excuse me. Um, I almost called him Pablo Escobar for a second. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm going to say this is the best haunted house movie made in the past ten years. No shit. Um, it's not a literal haunted house, but it's the the whole idea of her being trapped by tradition of the you know the royal family that she's married into because. Uh-huh. You know, people don't realize Princess Diana was one of the most famous people, like, in the, not just in England, across the world. Uh huh. Like, she was, like, if TMZ was around at the time, she would have been one of the most talked about people. Um, it's all about, you know, takes place in the, around the Christmas of, she was already with Prince Charles. Um, and she already, you know, the affair that he had has already happened. And she's sort of trapped where she has no confidants to talk to. Like, the only people that are nice to her, Sally Hawkins, her dresser, the royal family gets rid of her. Um, so it's all about, like, trying to keep Diana under control of the, you know, tradition um, that she's married into. And it's, like, her asking, do I stay and, you know, fight it, or do I try to get out? Um, and there's some really awesome, you know, perverted imagery. Like, she imagines herself, you know, trying to kill herself with a pair of box cutters or wire cutters.
1: Yeah. She, um, uh, first of all, when I saw the, the original press pic pictures of Kristen Stewart as princess die, I was like, holy shit. Like she looks so much like her in those magazine covers that we saw, you know, that I saw that I grew up on way back in the early nineties. Uh, the, the woman had a presence and, um, and she also, it came out in later years that she was a she was a cutter, like she she was a very very depressed person who tended to cut herself a lot. So I don't know if this movie dives into that, um, does it? Yeah, it does. She
0: has suicidal tendencies throughout.
1: Okay, suicidal tendencies. Um, but you know she she's also uh, has dysmorphia too. She they go into that as well.
0: Um, I, I honestly don't remember. A lot of it has to do with her her mental state. Like there's, yeah. you know, I talked about she cuts herself with box cu- with wire cutters. Uh-huh. Um,
1: yeah, so I, I was excited to hear about that, and I, and I was really looking forward to this. I'm sad I haven't gotten around to it yet. Is this on Netflix too or no?
0: No, this was, um, this was a theatrical release. It's a theatrical, okay. Also a, cre- a great score by Johnny Greenwood, uh, if you're a Radiohead fan. Oh, nice. Uh, But you guys see it for the performance. Kristen Stewart's magnetic. Um, Don't be surprised if she wins Best Actress.
1: Um, And I I kind of
0: to hear people complain.
1: I would love that just to just to see Twitter just get set on fire. That would be the best thing ever if that were to happen.
0: Like at some point, they got to get over Twilight. It's been a decade.
1: It's been it's been a decade. The woman's had more roles. Hell, I just watched. Uh, I watched Happiest Season. She is just a joy in that movie. She is good in everything she's in, except for Twilight, because that was a shitty character. And people need to get over that. Let me guess. Your number two? Are we on number two or three? Where are we on right now?
0: Uh, I got two left.
1: All right, two left. So I'm going to guess your number two is Justice League.
0: The director's cut. Oh, you'd be. It took me three days to finish. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Oh my god! you right, (laughs) your number two. It was better than the theatrical cut. I'll say that. Yeah.
1: What's your number Uh, two, sir?
0: I do have a superhero movie. uh, In my my top uh, in the spot, Spider Man.
1: I was just about ready to say Spider Man. God damn it, you beat me to it. Yeah, because you've been raving about that in our chat for a while. Um, all right. So, what is it about this one that you like?
0: So, to me, this is everything that Disney Star Wars failed at. Uh, and what I mean by that is the, the fan service that's here. You know, because this premise, it seems predicated entirely on fan service with bringing in, you know, the old villains. Um, some very iconic, some that I honestly didn't want to see, period. But they also finally, in the MCU... I I did like the last two movies, but this is the first one that feels like a Spider-Man story because it's all about how fucking terrible it is to be (laughs) Spider-Man. He's the Charlie Brown of superheroes. Nothing good ever comes his way. And it's all about a superhero having to clean up their own mess and how hard that is when you really don't want to do it. And it's got crowd-pleasing moments, which, holy shit, with the way people were cheering in that theater, I thought I was at a Beatles concert. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's because the problem is that there's only so much you can say without getting. So, so the the big reason why is this is not a spoiler, so nobody complain. It's a, they're in the trailer. So you see Willem Dafoe, right, and you see Alfred Molina uh, coming back. They're the two big ba- the two big main villains that come back. There, there's some other ones. You know, Jamie Foxx comes back. Um, The best thing they do is, as soon as Willem Defoe gets into the multiverse, he breaks that stupid mask. (laughs) Which which makes me so happy. But it's so amazing that these two guys haven't played these roles in almost 20 years. And it's like no time has passed at all. Like, they're still just so fucking good. And it's an anti death penalty superhero movie. Because the big reveal in the trailer that Doctor Strange tells Peter. They all die fighting Spider-Man. So, like, by Peter sending them back to their dimensions, he's sending them to their deaths. So it's all about him trying to reform the supervillains, um, in a way that he sees fit. Um. So, so yeah, like, there's so much fan service, but it's not like Lando showing up in Star Wars or giving Chewbacca a medal. Both actually,
1: things. Both things I love, by the way. Um, I still can't believe you like that movie I do, I really do Um, getting uh, back to Spider-Man here Uh, this is one of those movies that you said was, and I love these movies don't get me wrong, that the the, the theatrical experience is something that you walk out with a real high on is this going to be one of those movies which to me is defined by 2012's Avengers movie where it was such a great experience in a theater that when you take it home you're like you know what? It wasn't that good. Do you think that this could have that um, that effect if you watch it, say, six months down the line?
0: No, because this movie has an emotional punch that the Avengers does not. Okay. Um, there are genuine dramatic moments in this movie that shocked me. Um, like th- th- There's directions this movie takes that I was not expecting. Um, so I-, I do have to give a-, a mild spoiler. The movie's been out a week. As the time of this recording, and it's common knowledge. So, if no one wants to hear this, pause now and come back in ten seconds. Three, two, one. So it's it's no it's it's been a terrible, well kept secret that Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this movie. Mm-hmm. But the way they're used is so perfectly done. They're not just cameos; like they're they're in a, a much more of the movie than I was expecting. But they have thematic purpose, like. There's something that happens in the movie to this Peter Parker, the Tom Holland version, that is so shocking that you need the two of them to come in and offer perspective. So that's all I'll say.
1: All right. Well, you know, you answered my question because honestly, I've seen the trailers, but I was not expecting Andrew Garfield to come back in this. I was not expecting um Jamie Foxx to be in this. Like, I thought they would put that universe aside. Like, say, fuck the, amaz- the amazing Spider-Man movies. We don't want anything to do with those. But you're saying that they bring all of those back. What about Rhino? Does they, he make they make
0: a-, a joke about Rhino, and it's hilarious.
1: Uh, oh, damn. I was hoping to would
0: come back. They're they're all talking about, like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? And Toby McGuire talks about, oh, I fought a uh, a black goo alien. Uh, Tom Holland talks about how he fought an actual alien on he talks about fighting Thanos on a planet and Andrew's like yeah I fought a crazy Russian in a rhinoceros costume there you go
1: All right. well you know what you kind of sold me I am debating on whether I should go see it or maybe wait for us to review it because I I do really want to do a deep dive into it because you know people like Logan like huge Spider-Man fans are saying this is the movie they've been waiting for for decades. It's,
0: it's almost as good as the animated Spider-Verse movie. It's not quite there, but of all the live-action movies, this might be the – of all of them, and I include the Raimi films, I include the Mark Webb movies, this is the the one that feels the closest to reading a Spider-Man comic book.
1: Okay. Well, Sam Raimi, like, he tried very hard to reenact those comic books in his own way, and I thought he did a magnificent job with those movies, He's coming back. Uh, he's doing the Doctor Strange movie. Is he really? Well. Wow. Yeah,
0: he's directing it. And you know, I'm glad that Raimi's letting himself come back into the fold. And I'm I'm very I wouldn't be surprised if Toad Maguire has a cameo in that movie. Or he was the one I was worried about because uh-huh. he hasn't been in the movie in so long. Um, but he's genuinely great in this. Like he delivers the one liners better than he ever has. He plays his age. Um, they don't de age him or anything like that. He's playing a Spider Man in his forties who's kinda like yeah, I've seen it all. Nothing surprises me anymore. Um, no Kirsten Dunst. that was a surprise. Um, but she gets a mention where he just says, oh, we've made it work. So like it gives you closure for everybody. and if you were an Andrew Garfield defender, uh, this will give you a lot of um, a lot of joy.
1: Nice. Nice. All right, number one on the list.
0: Well, I have a documentary because I'm me. Uh, Val, is my last. Oh, one. Shit, fuck
1: off! Really? <laughs> is this um? This is on Hulu, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. How how big <laughs> of a uh how big of a uh, whitewash do they give this guy's career?
0: Quite a bit. Yeah, that's what I think. Quite, quite, a bit is being kind. That's the nicest thing I can say about this movie that doesn't piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, just as I'm you, just fucking with you, right? It's not on my list.
1: Oh, it's not on your list. Okay,
0: no, it's a documentary. Uh, okay, Summer, uh, Summer of Soul.
1: You fucking had me, dude. I thought for sure that's <laughs> what you put on. Summer of Soul. I thought you were going to say Woodstock '99.
0: No, but that uh, that was pretty close. Um, so this is all about you know the Harlem Festival of '69, where uh-huh. it was like um, you know it was like everybody from Sly and the Family Stone, Nina Simone, Fifth Dimension. Um, a lot, of lot. You know, I love when they play old old music footage, but they they tie it in with context to modern day. Um, and it's been a good year for music stuff. You know, West Side Story didn't make my list, but I liked it much more than I thought I would. Mm. Um, Ansel Elgort is still a piece of shit, and he really sinks the movie. Um, if he if he wasn't in it, it would be much. It would be in my top ten, and would probably be in my top five. Really? Um, I just think he's he's such a terrible screen presence and an even more despicable human being. <laughs> um, and this movie touches on, you know, it's, the documentary talks about, like, why this was obscure in pop culture, which is surprising, considering 69, you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated the year prior, um, a lot of revealing interviews, like, this should have been a much bigger deal than it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of sad that it wasn't, but, again, this is also a, I believe this is a Hulu exclusive, if you're looking to watch it, um, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all I got to say. You know, there's not much you can say about documentaries, yeah, there's really not
1: much you can. Um, there have been a few this year. Uh, the year started off with a bang. I remember seeing Night Stalker, and I didn't want to step out of the house for a month after that. Uh, <laughs> the one about uh Richard Ramirez, oh, um. Yeah, that one. That one is just—it's a tough watch. Uh, four years at the four hours. I'm sorry, at the Capitol. It's another one I saw this year that was oh my god, just
0: I can't. I can't bring myself to watch that. It
1: is, dude. It's it, it just getting through the first 20 minutes was tough, but once you do, it's you know, it's okay. Uh, Woodstock '99, like I'd already mentioned, I really did enjoy that one. Um. There's even one on Netflix now called The Story of Late Night, which as somebody who grew up on late night television, I I loved watching, uh, just talking about all of late night television throughout the years. Um, That was pretty good. Uh, Kid 90, which kind of – it's told by the girl who did – who was Punky Brewster way back when and – she gives a huge perspective on what it was like growing up in the 90, 80s and 90s. And um, she has a lot of, lots of pictures and videos from way back when. And she was, even, uh, she was with Jonathan Brandis for a while. And she even has like, phone conversations with him recorded that she plays and uh, how much that really affected her when he died. Um, and that, but it's also like an uplifting one, too. Like by the end of it, it's, it's a really uplifting story. Uh, she has a hell of a story. Uh, so yeah, documentaries, but you're right. They are tough because is you know, you can only say as much as they tell you. Um, but, uh, of the ones I've seen of, of those that I've seen, I would probably recommend kid 90 just because it's more of an upbeat one. Um, but there's uh, there's, there's, there, there were some good ones this year. Uh, wrapping up 2021, uh, movies, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't really see too many this year. Um, there were some surprises for me though. Like one that really surprised me, Matt. And see if you agree with me on this. Was Guy Ritchie's movie that he did this year, uh, *Wrath of Man*, with um, Jason, Jason Statham. Statham? Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you see that one? Yeah, I, I, it would have made my list in a in a lesser year, but as far as like pure like junk food cinema, it it achieves what it sets out to do.
1: Absolutely, it does. And you know, the only thing about it is it, it time jumps for absolutely no fucking reason. Like, you know, there's no reason why. Richie Richie would want to time jump that thing because it doesn't add any dramatic effect at all. Uh, But other than that, like I had a really good time with that movie. Like that that just—I'm not saying it's the best of the year or anything, but I'm saying it was a genuine surprise. Uh, One that I was really disappointed in was Clint Eastwood's movie this year, *Cry Macho*, which is—you know—I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan. uh, Going way back, Um, you know, I used to watch it with my dad. I used to watch his movies with my dad a lot. Um, you know, and his movies are always, always have a sentimental value to me because of that fact, like me and my dad would watch all of them. And this one, you know, I heard it was coming out and I was kind of, I don't want to say excited, but I was looking forward to it because I want to, I like to see what he does with uh, dramatic films. Uh, because I thought the one he came out with before this, which escapes my mind, what was the one he did before this? Uh, the Uh, mule. uh, the mule, the mule. Yeah. Yeah. The mule. That one was I, I really enjoyed that one, and this one, Cry Macho is just, it's just kind of there, you know. It, it, he's in his nineties now, and watching him do it was, you know, it, it seemed like he was struggling to get through it, honestly. Um, and it's not good to see, you know, see actors that you grew up loving and go through that, you know. It's it's a tough movie for me to get through, uh, and that that was disappointing. But another genuine surprise was Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Like, that was a fucking phenomenal piece of popcorn cinema for me. Like, I really enjoyed that one. Ghostbusters Afterlife, I know you didn't really like it. I was surprised at how much I did. Uh, Go back to that review uh, if you want to hear some fights. Uh, The Little Things was a movie that I saw this year that, you know, I I had high hopes of. But then, like, the more it went on, the more I was like, you know, you could have done so much more with this. Like, you have such an aesthetic going. Like, you really wanted to be seven so bad. And it uh, came up pretty short, but I thought Denzel Washington was pretty good in that. But other than those, man, there was nothing that really stood out to me this year.
0: Yeah, well, as far as genuine surprises, as far as stuff that was not on my list, you know, we talked about Congress' Godzilla, because those, those movies have been so up and down for me. Like, I, I'm one of the few people, I love Gareth Edwards' Godzilla movie. Yeah, I do too. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, notwithstanding, I think he fucking sucks in that movie, but everything else is done so well. Um, I would say this is probably my second favorite of the series. And, like, you get your money's worth. Like, that fight in Hong Kong, where it's all lit by neon and shot at night. It's the first time when they've done, because we've seen Kong and Godzilla fight before, this is the first time where it feels like they're on an equal playing field. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, design flaw, I really wish they didn't give Godzilla such a tiny head. (laughs)
1: Like, that always bothered me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a weird
1: hill to die on.
0: <laughs> yeah, as far as genuine surprises, like it's not on my list, but I fucking love the Suicide Squad.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it
0: yet. Um, it's a great role for Idris Elba, although you can tell it was written with Will Smith's character, and they just replaced him with another black guy. There you, um, there you go. But yeah, I think I think it's been you know a good year for movies. I don't think there's been anything that like I felt like I genuinely wasted my time outside of some stuff we reviewed on the year uh that I was notoriously hard on but yeah definitely I think HBO Max has been a good thing for me as far as watching some of the, the theatrical releases I wasn't able to go out to a theater to see like Cry Macho and Dune I saw that at home um it made for a great um great it made for a great double feature with my pillow because Dune put me in a fucking coma I was so bored
1: yeah yeah, and, and there's there's a there's a chance there's a slight chance that we'll cover that sometime in the next few years, and uh, I didn't even bother watching it because I know what to expect with a Villanova movie. All right, that covers twenty twenty one as far as films go. Um, retrospectives this year, Matt. Uh, we always go over our. Um, are the way the 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 things that we covered in the years past uh how would you feel overall we did as far as a podcast in the year 2021
0: I think once again like last year we were challenged with not as much new content so we kind of had to think outside the box as far as what we were going to use to fill out the year and we always talk about how you got to start off the year hot regardless of what is going to be released and I think Starting out of the gate with M Night Shyamalan, yes, <laughs> what was the what the perfect way to get the year started? Because much like twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, you never know what you're going to get. Uh huh. And I'm very proud of those shows. I think all of them. I think the Lady in the Water review was one of the funniest things we have ever done. I agree. Because not only did that movie break me, it also broke Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it was so oh, great. And he was trying his best and there came a point where he talked about how he posted on his Facebook page this movie fucking sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was so great hearing him just go go down in flames in that in that podcast. And uh he was a trooper. He went through the entire thing and you know, Old definitely ended it decently, you know, but I I agree with you. I think I think that was one of our best retrospectives as a whole. Um it was one I had to fight for. They were asking me to do Edgar Wright and um, I talked to you, Matt, and I was like, Man, I think the problem with Edgar Wright is I think we would just agree too much. And if we get someone like Mike on for M. Night Shyamalan, I would love to hear that that perspective. And I think we were proven right. Like I think those were those those were all really, really good shows. Um, but as you know, as much as you were hard on Lady in the Water, then we had to go to Fast and Furious. And <laughs> okay. that was when you heard me break down. Because your
0: second light was on for nine shows.
1: I tell you what, man. From four on, I'm like, "Is this fucking series ever going to end?" You know, and, and it, it fucking it ended on of all things a fucking theatrical release. So like, I had to go to a theater and then come back and talk about Fast and the Fucking Furious. Um, my first time in theater since Tenant was the Fast and the Fucking Furious Nine. Um, but those were fun shows to do. Alex was was a joy to, to, to have on those shows. You know, there was, I thought that was a really good retrospective as well.
0: In between those, we did Toy Story with Law. Yes, um, another good cool set of shows. We, we got three different perspectives. You know, I I grew up with them. Law's got kids that have watched them, and you've never you never seen any of them, right?
1: Well, I had seen them. I wasn't a huge fan of them. Oh, that's right. Initially, um, but I'd only I'd seen all of them only once. So um, yeah, I was kind of the outsider on those. I uh, we brought Mick back for the thing. I thought those were those were pretty good shows. Um, Mick's always a joy. Um, we started the Lord of the Rings. I thought those Rankin Bass shows were pretty good.
0: They were better than the movies, if you ask me.
1: <laughs> well, maybe we'll answer that question in the next year. Um, and we started Stephen King, which uh, was a series I was just so looking forward to. But there were things this year, you know, in regards to, like, like Spider-Man, for example, there were things that I hoped we would get to that we never actually did. And it's always my goal in the beginning of a year to go into those shows and say, okay, we're going to have a full year where it's going to be posted no matter what. You know, we're going to be on time. We even recorded the majority of these on, like, way ahead of time so that we could do it. And yeah. we still fell behind because all everything that was going on in my life was going on at the exact same time that I was trying to get those done. So... It was a it was a crazy year. Um,
0: well, the, we pre taped so much because I knew my time was going to be limited once Riker was born. Yes. Um, we should also mention that was one of the reasons. You know, we talked about old retros returning. You know, we finished Bond finally. Um, and you did the new Halloween movie with Doug. Yeah, Jason. we did. We did a
1: uh, Halloween with Doug and Jason, and, the, and uh, it's always good getting those guys back. Um,
0: Which I can say, since I was not on that review, fuck that movie. <laughs> Yeah. If you uh <laughs> so Matt walking out of that movie, I I would say there's a pisses me off. I'm not gonna go on a tirade. But watch, now I'm gonna talk for two minutes and it'll be an actual tirade. Um I don't understand this franchise. Every single time they reboot, they do the same fucking shit that caused the series to be rebooted. <laughs> like I don't understand like, I, I thought the the last one was totally fine. There was no need to make one more, let alone make this a fucking trilogy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And go back to the uh, Ghostbusters show where I, I do include a blooper of you just ripping on it for about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters another series I was uh, excited for. Um, which, uh, you know, ended up going a different way than I was expecting. So, yeah, I thought overall we had a really good year of shows. Um, I think given, you know, the fact that you were becoming a father, I was starting a new life, and Adam was going through what he was going through. I think given all of those things, I think we turned out a pretty good year. i tell you another set of shows I'm extremely proud of are The Shining shows. Um, all of those shows were just great Great shows, I thought, and the third one I still have in my back pocket. All right. You want to go ahead and just reveal this now?
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's do it.
1: All right. As I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, folks, yes, this is the very last binge movie aftertaste recording. You know, I, I want to get something off my chest right away before we get into this. This is not a Law and Moreno leave Barge set of angry circumstances going on here. But I think what this does is prevent is it prevents that situation from happening. Because I think as this shows went on and me and Matt and even Adam, Adam turned into of, you know, we had visions, grander visions, than what the guys who were running this site were willing to give us, which it's all it's their prerogative. It's their site. I'm not downtrodden them for it. But it seemed like Everything it was a battle to get done in this last couple years, actually. And, you know, Alex let me know a couple weeks ago that we're not going to bring the Aftertaste back next year, um, which to me – let me back up a bit. So earlier in the year, uh, we started the Stephen King shows, and then <laughs> Alex tells me, well, uh, you're not going to do all the Stephen King, are you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, that was kind of the plan. And so he said, I, I made the suggestion to him, why don't you guys just, I, I think I'm what I'm going to do, because since I started this and I want to see it all the way through, I want to do another another server. We're going to do a separate site and we're going to finish those shows. Alex goes, go ahead, do it. So what my crazy plan was, t- was to create even more work by doing two shows a week, one for that server and one for the actual binge media site. So I think this whole thing, is helpful to us because it allows us to do only one show a fucking week. But yes, there are plans for us in the future to do, uh, th- we're, we are going to continue the show. We are going to continue the Stephen King retrospective because I don't start anything without finishing it. And uh, I just want to say again, this is not a bitter severing of ties. Uh, I am. There's no unfriending that's going to go on here. Uh, all of us are remaining friends. If there's, I hope there's a fucking uh, wallapalooza in the next couple years so that, you know, if there is, me and Matt will be there. We will be shaking everybody's hand, giving everybody hugs, doing shots with everybody. This is not a, a angry severing of ties. But what it does, again, is it prevents that from happening. Matt, your thoughts?
0: So let me kind of put my cards on the table as well because when I – Made the decision to become a parent and put that part of my life going forward, I was wondering what this was going to mean for me as a podcaster, because this, this takes up a lot of time based on the format of our show. And I I was, I was considering even before this, you know, us deciding to, you know, mutually depart, if this was going to be my last year, regardless um, at least for a year or so to give myself some time. So this is not a decision that Garrett nor myself have, you know, spontaneously come up with, or Alex and Law for that matter. This was a, you know, as Garrett mentioned, it was a long time. Seven years is a long run. I mean, we're we going to talk about that. When you and I first started doing this, we were two very different people. Yeah. Um, I was a college kid at that time. Uh, No sense of direction. Uh, And I thought I was doing just a one-off appearance as a favor to you. And seven years later, I couldn't be prouder of, you know, what we've built. Uh, We did 30 30 retrospectives together, you and I. That does not include all the ones you did on your own, all the interviews you did before the show changed its formatting. Doesn't take into account all the guest spots we've done on other shows on the site. Um, I'm eternally grateful to Alex and Law and the entire Binge family for welcoming us in. Uh, me and... I want, I want to especially thank them for taking a chance on me as well because I was not... You and I were not a package deal when this first started. No. Um, and I mean that in the nicest way. So, I couldn't be prouder of what we've, what we've done. And like Garrett said, we're not going anywhere as far as leaving the, the binge family, you know, once, uh, once things get back to normal, hopefully I'll, I'll be the first one to Chicago. Um, but yeah, this is, this is not goodbye. This is just, um, it's us pivoting and, you know, we're going to take some time to, to let Garrett finish his, his big changes. Cause he's got a lot of stuff on his plate. Uh, as do I, but we're hoping, you know, sometime next year we get a new server going um, to continue the formatting and there's a, there's a third person who's going to be part of that, um, grouping, but all in all, I couldn't be happier with, with what we've built and I, I have so many good memories and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, po- you know, I, I talked to Alex, you know, him and I have been texting back and forth. I let him know, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't hold grudges. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been great.
1: It has been. And, and to tell you just how unbitter this is, uh, my girlfriend, Jen, is actually a patron for the site. She told me, she goes, hey, should I have, you know, since you're leaving, should I go ahead and just stop, my, stop being a patron? I said, you know what? I said, that's your decision, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to. Like, this isn't me saying, no, don't give them any more money. And Alex actually put it in a great way where, you know, there were times in this last year, and Matt knows, Adam knows, I mean, you know, he would say no to something, and I would just get angry. And um, me and him would stop talking for like a week or two at a time. And what he said when we made this decision was, he said, "We need to do this to save our friendship because I value you as a friend, and I think that the working relationship has deteriorated, and I don't want that to happen to our friendship." And I respect that, honest to God, I really do. And, and you know, I think he knew also that you know, the three of the, the two of us, me and you, Matt, are going through so many things where the show kind of in the last half year really took a back seat. Um, you know, we pre-recorded a lot, you know, we did do the ghostbusters show, but there was not a lot of recording in the last six months or so because of the changes that were going on. Um, but as you said, Matt, you know, I am going to, I have a big move coming up uh, when that happens in March. Cause right now I'm in between places. Um, you know, I want to get set up. And I'm going to get a whole new digital setup going. I'm going to have we're going to get a server, and we are going to continue the show. We're going to continue it in its normal format. We have a huge set of shows that we have already planned for the next year that we are going to do for binge as well. Uh, so we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're just going to take a little bit of a uh, sabbatical, just uh, just to kind of get our lives back in order. And Adam is a part of the package too. You know, when uh, me and Alex had the conversation. I called Matt and Adam. We we all had a Skype call, and I said, "All right, guys, what are we going to do?" And Adam said, "Let's go ahead and do it. You know, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's start our own thing." And this isn't to compete. This is just to continue what we've doing, what we're doing. And um, so that's basically where we stand. And uh, I do want to, you know, thank you, Matt, as a great co-host of this Binge Life. (laughs) That, as you said, we, you know, me and you didn't come in and say, "All right, we're starting on Binge." Like. I brought you in as a one-off, and I liked the chemistry we had so much, if you listen to that Rage Carry 2 podcast, that I wanted to keep you on because I liked the chemistry that we had. And when we fight, we fight. And uh, that—that's I love being challenged, and you definitely challenged me. So I wanted to keep you on. Plus, you bring a younger perspective, too. And uh, to your credit, you went along with it. And towards the end, I gave you a producer's credit because you made a lot of suggestions, too, that this wasn't just my show. This was your show. Um, and towards the end, it was Adam's show as well. Uh, so, yeah, we are going to continue that. And I want to thank a, a gal by the name of Jennifer Campbell, who's a, who was a filmmaker, who, uh, when I was doing interviews on the show, she goes, you know what? You need to let your personality unleash. Like, you need to be a reviewer. You need to just, like, review things. And, you know, don't just talk to people and be kind of fake with people on, while you talk to them about their experiences on a set. You just talk about movies, and you'll be entertaining. And uh, she was right, and I took her advice, and I loved every minute. Uh, and I want to thank Adam, you know, the voiceover guy, the guy who did the, did the intros and, you know, a lot of the outros of the show, and he will continue to do, show, do so. Um, he has been there with me for over 25 years, almost 30. Uh, that's how long me and him have known each other, and he has not taken a back step, and he is going to continue with us as well. And, of course, uh, Law and Alex, um, who, you know, when Adventure Amigos kind of let me go, they said, we're going to bring you on, and you you do what you do, just talk about movies. And at the time, I was being a part of the film community, you know. I had worked on some film sets, and I was doing a lot of stuff in Hollywood. And Alex was like, just bring those experiences to the show, which is what I did. And, um, you know, they took a chance on me, and... I have said over and over that they are two big, big reasons why I became a podcaster. Just listening to those guys on the air is what made me fall in love with podcasting, and I love their chemistry and um, and I'm gonna not I'm going to continue listening to them as well. Them and Pete put on a great show, a really fun show. But and I think Matt, you'd agree with this that as fun as their show is, I think our show. As great as it was to be different, it was. I think it was just too different, and I think you know it, it was time to just kind of let loose of it.
0: Yeah, I, I also think I don't think I have the temerity to do a four-hour show straight. I just yeah, same. To be perfectly honest, I don't have the the time to commit to watching all the stuff that they do for the cross every form of media and just the, the, this show's formatting is a lot more keen to my sensibilities, both as far as movies specific and retrospectives. I like older stuff. I like building towards something in the case of a new release. So all in all, I think this show has has worked incredibly well for us. It's made us stand out on the site. And I think that's definitely something we'll be able to cultivate and continue to grow on once we, you know, take our take our R&R and come back, um, I'm not going to say stronger, but there's definitely some shows that we're running out of the gate with that I think are going to put us right back to where we are. Yep,
1: and keep an eye out. We are going to create a Facebook page once we create the site. And there's there's going to be a whole, bunch, there's a whole bunch going on right now. But, again, it's just not that there's nothing to tell you guys, but <laughs> there's literally right now it's just, you know, I don't want to keep anything completely secret, but I'm telling you right now there's just too much going on in our lives to even concentrate on that right now. Um, and finally, speaking of the listeners, I want to thank all of you because without you, we'd be nothing. Uh, the feedback you guys give, um, you know, just in the last couple of years, Matt, you've gotten a couple great messages. I've gotten messages. Uh, there've been people who have come to the Facebook chat because of, um, listening to our show. You know, I know the Harry Potter show brought at least 10 new listeners to binge media. Um, and, uh, that makes us feel good. Um, I still get those messages, and I read every one of them. It really warms my heart that people listen to us to get up, get them through a hard work day, or you know, a hard day at at uh, at home, or doing the lawn, or whatever. Uh, it makes me feel good, and uh, it's what makes us. You know, when we would have those battles and say, "Well, fuck, we can't do those," um, it would. It's what drove me to say, "All right, let's just take take a step back and go further." That's all I really have to say. Do you have anything else to say to the listeners there, Matt?
0: No, I think you you touched on everything. I guess thank you is all I can suffice. Just it's been it this has been so much fun. Um, I I still can't believe seven years flew yeah. by like, like flew by like nothing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, that's basically all I have. We've covered 2021. We've covered our podcast, and we've covered what's going on in the future. Um. So until later on in the year, we're on a different site. Keep an eye out. But please just keep listening to Binge and go to their patron. You know, it's how they keep the site running, as smooth as it is. And um, all you guys, keep listening and stay tuned. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome.
2: Made me made it harder You've been listening to
1: the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the show by donating on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget... Shut up! I'm wasted.